Why, bro? See, y'all don't listen. To some, me and Tommy don't get to talk about this stuff, but I'm telling you, every time he plays a song, it lines up with the stuff. It just, it's just something that gives me a little added boost. So I'm on a, let's go to Ruth. We're, we're in a series on Do Different, and we all have this, uh, we all have this thing put in us called the Holy Spirit that when we invite Christ into our life, that Holy Spirit brings along with himself a demand of do different. That we shouldn't walk like we used to. We shouldn't talk like we used to. We probably, <laughs> we probably shouldn't hang out with the people that we used to. Um, I ain't saying they don't need Jesus, but sometimes, how many of you know it's a lot easier to go back to where you were than it is to take a voyage of somewhere that you don't know where you're going. And God has this tendency to, to really stretch us. And I think that's, that's just him in his infinite ways to, to teach us um, faith. Because if he doesn't give us something to, to hope for, we have no faith. Because the Bible says that we only hope for what we don't see. Because what's the sense of hoping when you can see it? It's there. So there's no need for hope. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Ruth chapter 1. Man, I almost had you, to, I almost had you in chapter 2. I almost had you there and, well, I started reading it over again. And I got hung up in Ruth chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading at verse 1 and let's just see what God would say to us this morning. Now it came to pass in the days when, this is starting at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. Why don't I just teach this morning? We'll, we'll just, I'll teach. There was a famine in the land. What land were they in? Do y'all remember? They were in Bethlehem, Judah, right? Bethlehem is the is the the city of bread, the, the place of bread, the provision. Judah was the place of praise. I wonder how many of us, I mean, because when I, when I read that, I, I get, I get kind of awestruck because here they are, they're setting in the perfect place. They're setting in the place of provision and bread. They're setting in the place of praise and yet they come across a famine. Have you ever, have you ever been, I mean, you're digging in the word, you're praying and you're praising God every day, and lo and behold, you experience a famine. There, you, you're doing it all right, everything's working. And you experience a famine, have you ever been there? I mean, have you ever just got to the, man, you're going to church every time a doors are open, anytime you can listen to the word, you got it plugged in, going from this training to that training, it's plugged in, it's on play, we're getting fed the word all day, every day, there's not, there's not a dull moment in our life with the word, it's constantly being fed, even when you're not listening to it at home, you still have it playing, 
Even, even when you're not dancing around in the living room praising God, you still got praise music happening in your house. I mean, the, you're in the perfect place. You're in the place. You're in that environment. Remember we talked about environment and how God placed the environment first and then put the things in the environment because the environment was meant to sustain that which he created. Just like Adam and Eve, he created the garden and then he placed man there. Because he said it was here, everything is already there for you. You don't have to worry about going outside this garden. I have prepared a place for you. Just stay in that place. And we have this tendency to go out of that place every once in a while. And it was just like Elimelech. Here he was in the place of Bethlehem, Judah. And he experienced a famine. He had a hiccup. Somebody offended him at church. Come on, church. Somebody said something at church that they didn't appreciate. So they said, okay, I'm just going to take me a sabbatical. That's what a lot of preachers will use too. They'll say, I'm going to take a sabbatical. You're not taking a sabbatical. You're taking a break from the call of your, never mind. But I'm going to take a break. I'm just just going to go outside for a minute. Anybody ever done that? Huh? You've been in a church and you got a little bit of church hurt and I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And And you break away from that moment because you think that's the best thing to do. I'm not saying your decision's wrong. I'm just saying be careful of your decision because you're in the place. I told somebody the other day, if you will ever allow someone's offense to take you to hell, do you really love God? Because I can't allow you to take me out of the environment that God has created for me. I'm to remain, and he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. You're the vine and I'm the branches. Sorry, I got that backwards. I'm not much on, what do they call them people? Horticulture or something? I'm not one of those guys. I don't know much about it. I just know you plant a seed, it grows, and you pluck a fruit and have something to eat. But we, we are to abide in him. That's the best place that we can be. But there are times in our life that we're going through our Christian walk and our faith journey and we end up finding a place of famine in our life. Even in the midst of reading my Bible every day and praying every day and praising God. Even in that time, we come across this thing called a famine. And for whatever the reason, we choose to step away from it for a moment. Okay, let me help you. I'm going to teach. I don't want to preach. I want to teach. Let me help you. Because what you'll do is, you've been praying, asking God for some help on something. Maybe it's your work, your relationship, whatever it is. You've been praying and asking God for an answer, and God hasn't answered you. He hasn't said nothing vocally. He he didn't show up and land and perch a dove on your windowsill at 4 o'clock in the morning, pecking on the window, giving you an answer. So what you have decided, you've done this long enough. I fasted, Michelle, for three whole days, and God, you ain't talked to me. So I guess I'm going to have to go out. 
and I'm going to take care of it. Come on, men, Mr. Fixer. We go out and fix it. We go out and take it. We, 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 left, we left the idea that God is, is faithful. We've left the idea that God is working in our life. We've left the idea that there's something God's working in our life. And we have decided to put God aside for a moment because we sense a famine. And we make a decision. And we go do it. Now, I'm not saying that just because you went and done it that you've fallen out of the graces of God. Actually, you're going to find this morning that, and, and I wrote this down because it was so, it was very elementary, but man, it really struck me. Sometimes your problems are his purpose. But you have to, you have to know the story to understand that his purpose was in the mix of this whole thing the entire time. But in our minds, we look at it as he's crossed a famine, he's in his rightful place, and he decides to leave it. And not only does he leave it, he goes to a place that has deceitful teaching, perverted teaching. Y'all remember that? We talked about Moab and how Moab come about. So we, we leave, we, oh man, we... <laughs> We, we, have this, we have this thing about us that we will leave the, the, the sound doctrine of Christ and we'll take on a perverted teaching. Okay, I'm coming right in your living room. I'm going to kick over coffee tables this morning. We take on the perverted teaching such as, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I didn't say it was incorrect teaching. I said it was a perverted teaching. Well, tithing, that was a law. No, that's perverted teaching. Because if you remember, Abraham tithed before Moses. It wasn't, a, it was never a law. But we take on the perverted teaching. So we don't do it. Are y'all with me this morning? What is wrong with y'all? I'm going to close the Bible and go to the house. Elimelech finds himself in this position of a famine. And he decides that he's going to leave the sound doctrine of where he sits and go. Oh. Well, hang on a minute. Let me help you with this one. Because he said he went when there was a famine in the land. That's when he left. See, as long as everything's going okay with you, you'll hang in there. Why we divorce? Because things ain't going right. It's not going my way. They won't do and they won't. It's never about us. It's always about them. There was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell. That word dwell there means temporarily. We're going to go there just for a little. I'm going to stop going to church just for a little bit. I'm just, 
going to hang out with my boys. Just, just for a little women, don't let you guys go hang out with the boys. They don't need to be hanging out with the boys. They ought to be hanging out with some men. The boys what got them in trouble to begin with. but he was only going to go for a little bit. See what happened to them? Because of the decision that he made just to go, just for a moment, he was going to go over there just for, I'm going to take me a sabbatical for a week and I'm going to just go for a week. Just, I'm going to hang out. And he goes to the place called Moab. He ends up getting not only himself, but his whole family tied up in a perverted teaching Not only did it cost him his life, it cost his boy's life. Boy, isn't that amazing? See, men, priests, you better be careful where you take your family. Because this, your decision can affect for generations. Okay, well... Oh, man. I said I was going to teach, so let me teach. Just let me teach. Leave me alone. The law of Moses stated, it didn't say that they could not marry Moabite women. It said that if they married Moabite women, they could not be considered Canaanites or Jews, they couldn't be considered Jewish for 10 generations. Oh, boy. So what, what had happened was, he decided he was going to leave Bethlehem, Judah, where they were. If his sons would have married there, They could have been a Jewish generation, right? But because he left and because he went to Moab and his sons married there, they were not considered covered in the Jewish law for 10 generations. They weren't protected under their traditions, their laws. Are y'all with me? So for 10 generations, they would have had to wait to enter into Jewish custom. So it will affect generations. With your decision. Whatever you decide. It could affect good or bad. But I want you to understand that we need to think about the decisions that we're making. How quick are we making them and what are we making them based on? Are we basing our decisions on biblical principles and precepts? Or are we doing it based on what we see ourselves earning in the process? Did we move to... A bigger house or a better job based off of what it could afford us 
in the public eye. Oh, you live over there? Man, that fancy neighborhood. Oh, you, you drive a Mercedes? You drive a Mercedes? But I'm just, I'm thankful with the understanding, knowing that everything will work out for the good. But I also understand that I should not be tempting the fulfillment of that promise. Better yet, let me put it this way. I'm not going to make that decision, Pat, and know that God's still going to be okay. And God's still going to forgive. And God's still going to do. You, I call that spitting in the face of grace. The Bible puts it like this. There comes a time where he will turn you over to your sin. Well, when is that? Can somebody tell me when that is? We don't know. You better stop thinking that God's grace will cover you regardless. Not that it won't, but you better not tempt it. Well, I'll just do it this time. God will forgive me. This might have been the 10th or 12th or 100th time that you've done it. God's forgiven you the other times, and you've based his forgiveness the next time on the other 999th time. And this was the time that he said, enough's enough. See, we think because of the lack of God's punishment in our life, it's God's permission. God's not okay in it just because he ain't spanking you right now. He's tolerating your ignorance. No, he's tolerating your stupidity because you already know better. Ignorance is something you fix by learning. Stupidity you can't fix. And Elimelech decides I'm going to go just for a little while. He exposes his family to a perverted teaching. Okay, symbolically. He exposes his family to a perverted teaching, not really understanding that this could be an effect on him and his family. His sons, after he dies, let me, let me read that so y'all know that I'm telling you the truth. He went to dwell temporarily. He was just going there for a minute. Baby, I'm going out for a little bit. I'll be right back. Just going out, just, just going out for a drink with the boys. I'll be right back. See, if you ain't never been out there and been in that tempted type of world, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But I'm going to go out and have me one drink, then it turns into two, then it turns into five. Next thing you know, i got another bride on my arm going out the door. I just messed all you men up, didn't I? Y'all won't get out the house now to even go to Kroger store by yourself. The women go be going, oh, no, 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 uh-uh. I was sitting in there when pastor said that. You wait a minute, I'm putting my shoes on. He was dwelling in the country of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. Now, I'm, I'm assuming his sons were younger. It's just my assumption. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Shilion. 
the Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. See what happened? We went from a temporary be back in a minute to staying. Come on, church. See, if you go stay home this Sunday, it's easier for you to stay home next Sunday. Oh, now, now he wants to get religious on me and tell me I have to be in church. I'm not telling you you have to be. I'm just telling you it's a better place to be than lying up in your bed with hot towels on your feet because you hung over from, never mind. Get in his presence. Get in his presence. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, he died. And she was left with her two sons. Okay, at this point, at this point she's still okay. Because she still has two sons that are Jewish. She's still okay. She's under the covering of her sons. So whatever her sons could make, then she could be provided for by her sons. See, as a widow, all you could do is what you could do. But when you had sons and husbands, it was looked at differently. Now, now, after their father died, now, they took wives of the women of Moab. Come on. It, well, God didn't say we couldn't marry them. Well, can you see the discussion between mama and the boys? Oh, <laughs> I would. Don't you marry that girl? <laughs> don't you, don't you dare marry that girl. I'm telling you, it's bad news. And you do it anyway. And then it's mama, 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 mama. Look, I talk, mama, mama. <laughs> so they took on wives. So now you've got Naomi, the two sons, and two women. The wives of the sons. And they dwelt there. About 10 years. They hung out. Now they're there for 12 years. They're there for 10 years. Is it 10 or 12? All right. My mind's just running. I'm trying to stay 20 minutes ahead of myself. So they stay there for 10 more years. Now this seems odd to me. They're there for 10 years. No mention of a child. Ten years. No mention of a child. I mean, Jewish custom is, man, let's... Matter of fact, Jewish custom was the man didn't even have to work for a year. He stayed at home under his wife's roof. Lived off of his wife's parents' 
because they wanted them to love each other. They wanted them to get to know one another. Boy, if that would have been, that would have been great, wouldn't it? First year of marriage, not having to work. But no, no, not here, not in America. Mm-mm. First year you work, you get pregnant. Now you're behind on bills. You're working three jobs, not just one, and you still can't keep up. Who come up with that deal? So here they are, married and 10 years, no child. Their custom was to have a son. Trust me, they're trying to bake bread. They want a son. That's how they carried their name. That's how they carried their inheritance. They wanted a son. I can guarantee you. I guarantee you they wanted a son. But for 10 years, no son. Now look. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then, Malon and Chilion also died. Oh, sometimes your problems is his purpose. Watch how this thing unfolds. This is just... 10 years, no babies. Both sons die. Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah hung out the dry. Nothing. They have nothing. Ruth finds out, or Naomi finds out, God visited the land and brought bread. She says, well, I'm not staying here. I'm going back. See, when you figure out that what you had with God was better than what you had without God, you'll eventually go back. But you should never try it without him. And she said, well, I know that when I live there, God supplied. And it it was crazy to me, too, that he would even leave Bethlehem, Judah, when he had Boaz there. They were kin. Boaz being a type of Christ, it's just like us. Why are you going to leave someone that can be your provision because you don't want to go to them and talk to them about it? You don't want to, oh man, that was a good sign of humility right there. You don't want to go before someone that is, can afford you to take care of you and offer your family protection and provision. You, you would rather go and try it on your own. That's what we do to God. All we have to do is go to Him. But instead of us going to him and asking, we try to do it ourselves. And then when we figure out that doing it ourselves ain't working out, then we go back to him. And lo and behold, the thing that we were working on, he superseded that. His grace. She decides that we're going back, or I'm going back. That's how she, I'm, I'm going to go back. <laughs> they, they leave together, and she says, Yeah, you know what? Y'all probably ought to stay here. There's nothing I can give you. I don't have anything now. I'm going back as a widowed woman back into Jewish custom. I have nobody there to provide and take care of me. I'm going to be a poor widowed woman. Y'all need to stay here. 
And Ruth said, no, nah, I'm going to go with you. Ruth goes. She ends up meeting her Boaz, not her bozo. Some women find bozo. They don't find Boaz. But she met this Boaz and come to find out he was a kinfolk. Well, being the kin, and I'm not, I ain't going to get too far into that portion because I'll try to pick up on that next week if we can get to chapter 2. But she gets there. Boaz is now a kinsman. And he offers to take care of it eventually. They have a child. Ain't that something? I mean, it's like, bing, bang, boom. Here come a baby. Now, I've been married for 10 years and haven't had a child. Can I just tell you the blessings are probably more evident in God's grace than they are outside of God's grace. Her and Boaz hook up. They end up getting married. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff in there because it's just, oh, man. It wasn't, it, wasn't like, it wasn't like the trickster that took place to create Moab when the daughter slept with their father in the dark while he was drunk. They're the same type of scenario. She goes and lies at his feet while he was alone in the dark. Hid by the night. She goes and lays at his feet. Jewish tradition. A sign of humility. And a sign of, I'm offering myself to you. And they didn't have any type of relationship at that moment. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he got scared when he woke up. <laughs> well, what are you doing? You got to go. You got to go. Because he was a good man. But he understood tradition. And that's where he accepted her. Well, they end up having a child. Do you know how long? Just let me throw this out here just for a guess for you. Do you know how long it was between their child and Jesus? Or their child and David? King David, that would become the seed of Jesus? Do y'all, y'all know? Having, I told you that it was 10 generations. So it wasn't that, that God defaulted on the law that was presented to the Israelites because he still maintained that law. There's still 10 generations that waited. We have this tendency to think that God forgets everything. Knowing Scripture, we know it so well we can quote it to others to make them feel bad. Knowing Scripture says, whatever a man soweth, he'll reap it. And we think because we get saved that all the bad seed that we sowed will never see the fruit of it. 
just something to chew on. Now, I do believe in God's grace, and I believe that it is supreme to any law. But I will tell you this. If you sowed it, you're going to reap it. Now, you may not reap it to the magnitude in which you should outside of God's grace. Because I believe God's grace steps in. But you're still going to, you can't. This is what's wrong. This is that perverted teaching. That when you come and you give your heart to Christ and the pastor just loves on you and says, everything that happened and blah, 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 and you'll never. And then they go out and they end up finding six months down the road, here comes something swelling up on them. It's a knock at the door. It was the woman that you was with before you got married. You go pay for this baby? Come on, church. Now, not only do you have to tend to that baby, you got to tend to the new wife, too. Because you hid that from her. You don't think that you've got to pluck the fruit off of the tree of the seed that you planted? Well, pastor, does that mean, I, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just going by what the word says. He'll forget the sin, but the fruit's still going to grow. Now, hopefully, you're not tending to that seed and watering and cultivating that seed. So the fruit that does come out will be malnourished. Does that make better sense with God's grace? See, whatever you want to die in your life, stop feeding it. I'm telling you, keep give, you keep giving cat food a stray cat, he ain't going nowhere. You stop giving that cat food, he gone. You can't use that on your husband's. We need y'all y'all need desperate counseling. <laughs> What's up with that dude? I done lost all my concentration. <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> um. <laughs> How many of you ever made a decision in your life and you look back on it and you wish that you wouldn't have? Or, or you made a decision in your life and you look back on it and wish you would have made a different decision. Maybe just fine-tuned it a little bit. Even though Elimelech made this decision based on a famine, that was introduced to him while he was in the city of bread and a place of praise. Even though he made a decision, because I can't fault him. I'm not, I'm not pointing at him because I know within myself, I've made decisions based on a temporary circumstance. And we all have. And we've paid for it for a long time 
Some of us still might be painful. But even knowing that he made the wrong decision, look how God put this thing together. Because Ruth was to be the great-grandmother. I mean, look, we're talking about Rahab, the hooker, right? She was part of the lineage of Jesus. Boy, ain't that just like God? God going to find the most distorted people and put them in the lineage. Because he wants you to understand his grace. Made them apart. He knew from the beginning that if he didn't allow Elimelech to experience a famine and to figure out that I better do it myself instead of going asking my cousin, brother. I'm just going to leave. He knew if he would have not allowed him to do that, then there would have never been a Ruth. And if there would have never been a Ruth, there would have never been a David. If there would have never been a David, there would have never been a Jesus. Come on. Y'all think that God, y'all think God wrote this book as time went? This book was written. Wasn't it? It was in the mind of God way before it ever hit paper. This book was already, it's just like your book is already written. Stop trying to worry so much about the page that you turned this morning and allowing that to cause you not to read the rest of your story. Just let that be a chapter. You live seasons. You go through chapters in your life. I mean, other than the book of Ruth, I don't find myself reading other books and keep going back and keep going back and keep going. I just don't, I won't do that in my life. I don't, I don't, I don't get, I get angry sometimes at myself. I'm not going to lie to you about it. I, I get angry at myself when I make a decision. And then I look back at it and go, man, I've done that. I've I, I done that too early. I, I should have waited on that decision. But God, it looked so good. I mean, it was a red apple sitting there. It was all polished up. My, mine would have been a Hershey bar or something because I don't eat apples. So, God, that piece of chocolate was looking good. And then you go, man, I shouldn't have made that decision. But we've all gone through life somewhere and we've made a decision and we've allowed that decision to keep us in a land of Moab. But can I tell you that God's taking your problem and he's working it towards the purpose of what he's already had written for you. And you're going to have to go through some things in life. Stop Stop trying to run from your problems and rejoice in them. Because God's working something out for you. He's going to, because you've got to believe that promise that he's going to take that which was meant for evil and turn it to good. So even if the enemy offers something up, God's got it. Do you trust him? He's got your life in his hand. I mean, for real. Do y'all?
And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to persuade you not to make decisions because you're still going to have to make them. You're still going to have to make decisions. Life offers up opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to make a decision. I'm just telling you and pre-warning you and trying to give you some wisdom to not make decisions based on your temporary circumstance and try to run from a problem because it looks better on the other side. Make sure that's of God. Don't you know the enemy will give stuff up, make it look better? That old cliche, the grass is always greener on the other side until you dig it up and it's all sitting on a piece of manure. It's not as it seems. Man, God, what are you trying to teach me in this? What decision do I really need to make? Where do you really want me? Is this part of my life story? Am I to make this decision? Because you've got something. I mean, just get in front of him. Well, Pastor, you're going to cause me anxiety. Well, good. As long as you ain't so quick to pull the trigger, get in God's face. I don't know if it's a right decision or a wrong decision. I'm praying about it every day. Good, we've accomplished something. Some of us have learned over time that the decisions that we were making wasn't benefiting us. So we've, we've now learned how to just chill. Just, it'll be all right. God will never leave you out there hanging by yourself. You ain't walked one day in this journey by yourself, not one. You may have felt like it, but you've not walked one day. Y'all, we just, we have this tendency to think that because we're not saved, that God doesn't love us. The Bible said, he didn't say that he sent his son to the saved world. He said he sent him because he loved them. They were, do y'all remember how jacked up they were? (laughs) Do y'all remember any of that? This world was a mess, just like it is today. It's a hot mess. And the same one that he sent then is the same one that he's offering up now. Changed a lot of lives over the past years. A lot. So don't worry about your problem. Just know that God has a purpose in it. And he's going to take care of you. He'll handle you. Just be conscious about what you're doing. Do different. Don't make decisions like you used to make them. Do different. Base your life off of different things. We used to base it off everything else. Like how fast Friday could get here and we could get our paycheck so we could go and blow it all on the alcohol. See, y'all, y'all don't think I know. <laughs> I done did it. I mean, come Monday, and you got like $20. And you got you to gotta go all that week and next week before you get a check. Paid twice a week or twice a month. Trying to live off of $20 for two weeks. Anybody ever tried that? It don't work out very well, does it? it boy, it stinks. 
Me and Debbie was talking not long ago about the budget that we had for groceries. For the month. $65. Sorry, took us two weeks. $65 would carry us for two weeks. $120, a month for groceries. Try feeding your family on that. I mean, that, now this was a little bit, this ain't as far back as some of y'all other ones, but I wasn't getting no five, five cent loaf of bread. But $65. I mean, I've, I've been there and done that with you. I, I get it. And made, made stupid decisions along the way in the midst of it. Cigarettes weren't cheap. And we both smoked. I told on the first lady. We both drank. Got her again. That's what happened. She got her. But we would rather budget that $65 for food for two weeks and still get our beer and our smokes. Oh, still, still wanting playtime when we got responsibility. I'd have been there. See, y'all, you, there ain't nothing you doing that I don't know. They've been there. Man, I wish I could have made different decisions back then. But it taught me a lot now. It taught me not to do it now. It taught me now to go, is this a, is this a want or is this a need? And we can still stop at some of our wants. I'm still working on her. Maybe we'll get into chapter 2. But I... I just don't want you to think that because I guess the moral of this whole story, I took all that time to tell you this. Just because you're in the midst of a problem don't mean you're not in God's purpose. He's working something in you, through you, around you, for you. He's working on your behalf. Give him an opportunity. You good? By Facebook, all that other stuff. Don't forget this week. I want, I want you to pray this week about where God would have you and what God would have you do during this season of us doing a building fund. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with challenging you the way that I challenged the last one. Because I told him if it didn't make you bleed, if it wasn't hurting, it wasn't a sacrifice. God, I mean, it. But I watched, I watched a small church. That's why, look, I still say that's one of the reasons why we're sitting here. Because we were willing to build the kingdom no matter what the cost. And uh, I'm still willing to build the kingdom no matter what the cost. And I'll never do, I'll never ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Okay. 
the first seed's been planted. So we're going to go from there. Look for people that need Jesus. Would you do that? I mean, for real, would you do that? Invite, invite friends. Everybody needs Jesus, not just you. Quit being so selfish. Let's stand.